Hello, Varmidians. This is Paul. You know, Donna and I are coming up on our 100th episode. I can't believe it. And for the 100th episode, we're going to do something really special. First off, we have a contest for you, the listener. The Cell Phone Photo Backyard Wildlife Contests. Take a picture of some wildlife in your backyard, at a zoo, at your nature preserve, with your cell phone, and send it to us. First prize is going to get a Varmint's prize pack, including an original signed piece of artwork of your favorite Varmint by Blazing Caribou Studios podcaster and artist Phil Rude. Second and third prizes are going to get some cool stuff as well. We have very specific rules, so go to blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmintscontest. That's blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmintscontest. Or if you're a member of the Varmints Discussion Group on Facebook, we'll post the rules there as well. And we'll announce the winners of that contest on our 100th episode, where we'll be talking about emus, and we'll be joined by Corbin Maxey. Corbin Maxey is a nationally recognized animal nerd, biologist, and television personality. He's been on some television shows you might have heard of, The Today Show, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Inside Edition, and The Martha Stewart Show. We're really looking forward to episode 100, and we hope you are too. You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. A bold hippopotamus was standing one day on the banks of the cool Charlemagne. He gazed at the bottom as it peacefully lay by the light of the evening star. Away on the hilltop sat combing her hair, his fair hippopotamus made. The hippopotamus was no ignoramus, so sang her this sweet serenade. But, glorious but, nothing quite like it for cooling the blood, so follow me, follow. Down to the hollow, and there let us wallow in glorious mud. Hello, and welcome back once again to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. Hello, I'm Donna, and I'm also not an animal expert in any way, and today we are talking about the hippopotamus. Yes, we are. And this was a suggestion from Toph from the Gravity Toph. Beard podcast. So thank you, Toph. Woohoo! Let's do some news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Well, Donna, we have a little bit of uh, feel good, make you feel good about the world. Hippo news this week. Yes. Yeah. I Early... have been glued to this story. Have you really? I have From not heard of beginning. it until we started doing yeah. the research. Ah, glued. I think I even shared a couple of the videos on my feed. 
this is great. Early in 2017, Fiona the hippo was born six weeks premature at the Cincinnati Zoo. She weighed 29 pounds. That sounds like a lot until Mm. you consider the fact that most baby hippos weigh between 55 and 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. She is the smallest hippo ever to survive in captivity. She required 24-hour care shortly after birth, and she's doing well. At last check, Fiona weighs right around 500 pounds right now. Here's some good news. Fiona the Hippo is getting her own show. After months of gaining thousands of fans and becoming an internet sensation, the Cincinnati Zoo has announced that they are creating a show to document the young hippopotamus's life, which will include footage of her birth. And the show is going to be called The Fiona Show, and it's going to be shown on Facebook starting on August 29th. Now, if you want to support Fiona and you are in the Cincinnati area and you like drinking beer, the Listerman Brewing Company is releasing a Team Fiona New England-style IPA. The Hippos Care Team helped actually brew the beer. The brewing company describes the beer as having a soft mouthfeel, hazy appearance with a fruit juice flavor. And part of the proceeds from the beer go directly to the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden for Fiona's care. So you can drink beer and be nice to animals in the comfort of your own living room at the same time. Oh, man, I'm going to order me some of that beer. (laughs) We'll put links for all of that in the show notes. Yeah, Hmm. that's a nice story. Is it an IPA? Oh, it is. I don't like IPAs. That's okay. What is an IPA? An India Pale Ale type of beer. Okay. They're, they're quite bitter, and Veronica, if you're listening, I'm buying you baby hippo beer. <laughs> <laughs> she does listen to the podcast, so. Hi, Veronica. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for the links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode, which are going to be full of amazing hippo bits. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at Barman's Podcast, all one word, and at Barman's Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. Send us your hippo stories. Everybody's seen a hippo in the zoo, and they're really fun to watch, so send us an email. Yeah. And if you like our show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher. Actually, it's Apple Podcasts now, huh? Leave us a nice little rating and review. And uh, we also have a Pinterest board that I am completely being too lazy with because I forgot to work with it this last week. <laughs> but, but I will. I'll get in there and I'll update it. And the link to that is at the bottom of our show notes. Go on over and look at our boards and share your boards. And now let's learn about hippopotamuses. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. (laughs) We are blathering about hippopotamuses today. The common hippopotamus, or just hippo for short if you like, is one of the largest mammals in the world, actually. Definitely in sub-Saharan Africa where they are native. They are semi-aquatic. They are also, aside from mosquitoes, the most dangerous animal in Africa. Hippos kill about 3,000 people a year. Um, Aside from humans, hippos have virtually no predators. Lions and hyenas sometimes prey on very young hippos, but hippos will kill any real or perceived threat to their young or to their territory because they are very territorial and very aggressive. 
And this includes crocodiles, which, which they frequently share waterways with. They kill crocodiles all the time. Male hippos continue to grow their whole lives, and depending on age, they can grow to be anywhere between 5,000 and 7,000 pounds. Females do stop growing at around 25 years of age. They'll top out at about 3,000 pounds. There are five subspecies of common hippos, and then there's the pygmy hippo, which, as the name suggests, is kind of a fun-sized version of the common hippo, and Donna's going to talk about those a little later on. Generally speaking, though, hippos are very recognizable for their large, nearly hairless, aside from their whiskers, barrel-shaped body, large heads with very wide-opening mouths containing large canine tusks, short columnar legs, and very, very small little ears. Like cattle, males are called bulls, females are called cows, and babies are called calves. A group of hippos is called a pod, a herd, a dale, or a bloat. I like mm-hmm. that one. A bloat of hippos. Yep, they say that all through the documentary that I'm going to feature on our show notes, and it's hilarious every time. <laughs> <laughs> the name hippopotamus comes from a Greek compound word. Hippos means horse, and potamus means river. So, horse of the river or river horse. Some people will go ahead and pluralize the word by saying hippopotami. Technically, this is incorrect because you're putting the Latin ending on a Greek word. And if this rings a bell, we talked about this very thing on our episode about octopuses or octopodes. So hippopotamuses is the correct plural of that word. Or just hippos is fine, too. Yep. Yep. So this was fun. I had a really great week looking up these guys because I realized how very little I actually knew about them. That's always really fun. Yeah, me too. I found out there's something really interesting. Hippos don't actually eat a lot when they're in the water. They, hardly anything. They stay there to avoid the heat because their skin is super thin. And if they're out in the sun too long, it blisters and cracks. So mostly they oh, stay no. in the water all day to keep their skin moist and to avoid the heat of the sun. So when do they eat, you would ask? They eat a lot of edu- uh, vegetation off the riverbeds at night when it's cool, so they leave the river and they walk around in the land that sort of is beside the river, and they eat all their grass at night. They mostly just load up at night, so it's interesting. Right. And the ho- the roads that they make, you can always tell because they trample down the vegetation, and they're called hippo roads, and they last for generations. The, you can see the roads all twisting around and stuff from the air. They're pretty amazing. So, yep, they just. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they hang out in the water because they don't want to get burned. They do bask <laughs> on the riverside and stuff and nap during the day, but they don't spend, you know, they have to go back in the water and make sure they stay pretty, pretty cool. So, they don't spend all day doing that. So, when they come out on dry land, and forage, they, each of them, they eat right around 100 pounds of grass every night. Mm-hmm. Massive animals. And they are they can digest that grass because they are pseudo-ruminants. Now, I explained on our bison episode about how a ruminant's digestive system works. And the only real difference with hippos is that hippos do not regurgitate and chew their cud. So that's why they're pseudo-ruminants. Mm-hmm. But when you eat that much grass, you're going to make a lot of poopies. Mm-hmm. So when hippos take a dump, it is an absolute spectacle. (laughs) Whether they are in the water or on dry land, once they start letting loose, their little tails will start flapping back and forth, and they will fling their poop absolutely everywhere. (laughs) I've seen this at the zoo. (laughs) 
Oh, it's unbelievable. Sometimes at the zoo, they'll have a warning sign that that will say you're in the zone where if a hippo backs up, you better you better watch out. <laughs> and male hippos can. How do I word this? They can aim their urine stream They're They have that sort of uh, control and dexterity. So they will actually as they're pooping, they will aim their urine stream out behind them to further spread the poop. So if you are on the backside of a hippo anywhere, you're going to you're going to get it. <laughs> you're in the splash zone in the splash. <laughs> oh, God, it's not a splash zone you want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> they'll do this as close to the water surface as they possibly can. So if they're submerged, they'll kind of like put their face down and they'll do a, a periscope thing with their bee hole and they'll let loose right at the surface of the water. <laughs> their bee hole? <laughs> <laughs> if they're on the land, they'll go right down to the water's edge and do it. Now, it's interesting because when they're doing that, they're doing two things. The first thing. Sorry. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Are you laughing about the bee hole? Yes. <laughs> and the whole thing. The oh. whole thing. Because I've seen it. They make a mess. It. Oh, I've seen it, and it's so funny. I can't tell you. Oh my god! I need to stop laughing. Oh. <sighs> they're actually doing two really important things when they're doing this. The first thing that they're doing is they're marking their territory. Because they have a really good sense of smell. And the other thing they're doing is being hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And they're being hilarious. They're entertaining Donna. <laughs> but they're also transporting a huge amount, like literally tons of nutrients from the land down into the water. Um, biologists. <laughs> biologists. <laughs> <laughs> you should see their little tail how it goes it's like a like a poop propeller yes <laughs> a poop preller <sighs> I need to get a breath <sighs> a poop preller from their pee hole <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm so uh, sorry, Paul. I don't You're think I ever made you edit laugh that so hard. much of this out. But it's it's really important that they do this because they they found out biologists from UC Santa Barbara and Berkeley studied this and they they found that hippos are are transporting a large amount like literally tons of nutrients from the land down into the water i would so imagine studied, so <laughs> <laughs> so they studied the behavior and feeding patterns of a fish called a pangani barb which is a commercially important group of fish in east africa hundreds of tons of these things are harvested each year and it's a key source of protein for human populations in the region. And they found that for at least part of the year, these fish rely on hippo dung for their nutritional needs. So 
yeah, hippos help maintain Africa's ecosystems and they keep fish sustainable and they just entertain the living hell out of Donna by <laughs> flinging their poo everywhere. <laughs> the funniest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Our zoo doesn't have a warning sign. <laughs> I've seen pictures of warning signs on the internet. Like, don't stand here. Or if you do stand here, you, you do so at your own risk because... <laughs> the hippo, the, the hippo will uh, back up and. Well, this is the West, and we expect people to be a little bit more uh, self-maintaining than that. So I suppose the zookeepers were just like, "Are we going to put up a warning picture?" Nah, <laughs> <laughs> they'll learn. <laughs> well, I think most zoos here have several more la- layers of protection between you and the hippo. There's usually plexiglass or a fence or something where you're not going to... Yeah, you might just not be close enough here to actually be in the splash zone. I'm not (laughs) not sure. Our pachyderm area is really pretty nice, but uh, yeah, it it is funny. I think I'm done laughing now, but I may start again if you start saying b-hole again. (laughs) Uh, Poo propeller. (laughs) Poopeller? But the poopreller. Poopreller, okay. Poopreller. <laughs> That's the best. Disclaimer time. The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Don and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves. So, they're going to do it anyway. I couldn't find any information on hippo intelligence. They don't seem very bright to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't find a whole lot either, but I did find this. There's a scientist they were studying. They're just studying certain kinds of cells that they're called neocortical neurons. And they basically have a lot to do with what we think of as intelligence, right? And so they say, Mm -hmm. the hippopotamus has one of the largest brains in any land animal and also happens to be even more closely related to whales than pigs are, because this was a study about pig intelligence. Because hippos are dangerous and antisocial, it's often assumed that their intelligence can't be too high. Yet, we have convincing evidence that sociability correlates poorly with general intelligence. (laughs) We also know that the next best indicator of intelligence after raw brain size is dietary breadth, and hippos are omnivorous. With that in mind, I did a quick test of their yawn length and found it to be around six seconds. This is almost human length, and new research highlighted in his previous post that he put up is that the yawn suggests their neocortical neuron count could rival or better than that of the elephant. So, Wow. Yeah. So, uh... It might be a case where humans think, oh, they must not be very intelligent because they're not super friendly. And that just might be human bias. So, and uh, they might be super intelligent and there's just not enough information about them. Like, elephants are very social and friendly and they like people a lot of the time. So we think, oh, they like us, so they must be smart. But I don't know. The opposite could be, it could have nothing to do with our likability. <laughs> it probably doesn't. <laughs> Right. Right. So, yeah. And I got to so. be honest, there's there's a lot of human bias on my end because when I was a little kid, my parents took us to the zoo and they took us to the hippo enclosure or exhibit. And all I remember was 
the water was green, there was like two or three hippos, and the smell was just overwhelming. Mm. That's probably not, not very well taken care of, hippos, probably. Yeah, so. it was the 70s, too, so maybe they yep. didn't know quite as much about how, how to, to take, take care, care of hippos. Them. Yeah. 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 But that just that that left a mark in my brain, man. All I can think about when I think of hippos is that that smelly enclosure. Oof. It was bad. Yeah. But you are able to critically think and to realize that that's probably not got anything to do with how hippopotamuses are in reality. So, no, they're not particularly right. social. They don't particularly like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they don't. like other hippos, and they want to protect the other hippos, and that's their whole goal. So, you know, right. I can't, I can't fault them too much for that. But that, so that seems to be the conclusion is that we don't really know how much, how intelligent they are, but we shouldn't be surprised if they're a lot more intelligent than we think they are. So, so I gave them like a five for intelligence because they're right in the middle, and because I don't really know any better how smart they are. But I gave them style points. I didn't, I didn't give them any style points. I think their style points bring them really high because they can breach the water. That's pretty amazing. Like a 5,000 pound animal can actually breach completely out of the water like a whale. So I think they should, their style points are probably going to round them up to like a 10, you know? A 10? Wow. (laughs) Don't you think five, that being able to hurl 7,000 pounds of yourself out of the water fully while you're swimming super fast is worth five points that's uh, five points hippos are styling people love hippos (laughs) yeah style style points are much more about what people like i think in my mind as we're trying to figure out what what it actually means which will change every week yay (laughs) (laughs) i said seven question mark Mm. seven question mark yeah just i don't know if they're as intelligent as elephants they're gonna be somewhere around seven or eight but nobody really knows so question mark but yeah style points i'm giving them a 10 hippos are amazing and i love that they are poop prellers and i think they're really super cool <laughs> in the documentary i'm gonna put on the show notes it distrib- it demonstrates a lot of these behaviors that we're talking about today and one of the things that i think I just want to note that's completely random. There is a baby hippo in there, and the baby, they don't have any teeth for a while, so when they're nursing, they can't eat grass, but the babies actually practice eating. They, <laughs> they, oh, wow. Yeah, they chew on grass, but they're not chewing it. They just mouth it, but they're actually just practicing how to eat. <laughs> oh, how cute. It's adorable. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Oh my god, they're so cute. Well, on that note, we are going to talk about a well-known tabletop game. We're going to talk about how the heck hippos wound up in South America, and we are going to talk about pygmy hippos. We're going to do all that right after this commercial. Hi. This is Hannah from the Film Rose Podcast. Hi, I'm Jen. My name's Vanessa. Hi, my name is Stacy, and I listen to Our Americana because it reminds me how important community is. Because it tells the stories of people and places in small-town America that we'd never get to hear about anywhere else. I love hearing about parts of our country that I didn't even know existed. 
And the reason I listen to Our Americana is for the stories. Stories of average Americans, stories that I otherwise may have never heard. I liked hearing about the younger generation moving back home to these small towns or moving out of these big cities because they were so passionate about community. The podcast has definitely inspired me to want to visit America. Despite being such a huge nation, it is clearly the people and communities which give it its heart and soul. Not only is Josh a great narrator, but he's a great listener. He's very good at capturing the essence of people in the essence of a small town. Our Americana changes the way I look at America. It's not just my little town with my little struggles. Josh tells stories I didn't even know I needed to hear and gives small town America a platform to shine. Well, this here's animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Hey, you know, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. I am going to start with this one, and here is the old 80s commercial for it. If you want to win the game, you got to take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippo. Hungry Hungry Hippo. Hungry Hungry Hippos is the name of the game, and whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos. I win! Hungry Hungry Hippos from Hasbro. So, of course, that is Hungry Hungry Hippos, the tabletop game made for two to four players, produced by Hasbro. It can be a one player game if you want it to be. I made lots of (laughs) games, one player games, when I was a kid. The idea for the game was published in 1967 by a toy inventor named Fred Kroll, but it wasn't introduced until 1978. The game board is surrounded by four mechanical, colorful plastic hippopotamuses operated by little levers on their backs. When you press the lever, the hippo opens its mouth and extends its head forwards on a telescopic neck. When the lever is released, the head comes down and retracts, and these colored plastic marbles are dispensed into the board by each player, and so you repeatedly press the little lever on the hippo in order to have it eat all the marbles. Those marbles travel down from under the hippo into a small scoring area for each player, and so once all the marbles have been captured, you count your marbles, and whoever collects the most marbles is the the winner. Donna, did you know that the hippos have names? I did not know that. Why don't I know that? I played that. I played that game. It's. I think it's in the instructions, but most people do not need the instructions to know how to play the game. It's such a simple game. Yeah. In the original version of the game, there was Lizzie Hippo. She was the purple hippo. The blue one was Henry Hippo. The green one was Homer Hippo. And the yellow one was Harry Hippo. Later on, Lizzie's color was changed to pink, and she was renamed Happy Hippo. 
In 2009, the hippos were given new colors and completely renamed. So now the blue hippo is Sweetie Potamus. The yellow hippo is Bottomless Potamus. The green hippo is Veggie Potamus. And the orange hippo is Picky Potamus. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time you played Hungry Hungry Hippos? I played Hungry Hungry Hippos in high school when my friends and I did a science project to see what the chances of winning Hungry Hungry Hippos are. Did you know that there was a uh, competitive Hungry Hungry Hippos scene? No, I didn't know that, but why? Yes, there is. At I Gen mean, Con in Indiana, every year they do a, a uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos tournament. Oh, well, that sounds like Gen Con. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Here's their little news release. They say in 2011, Australian Sam Collins took out the far north coast Hungry Hippo regional finals, defeating Hungry Hippoer Kieran Kennedy in a nail-biting final series. Sam beating Kieran 43-31 to be- to become world rank number one. This world ranking lasted until September 2013 when Sarah Tate won the regional final against Sam 37-33. to In 2015, Hippower Lincoln Crooks broke the all-time marbles eaten with a high score of 72-2 against James Todd. James Todd has lost all tournaments in the opening round, cementing himself as the least successful hungry Hippower in the history of the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. The last time I played Hungry Hungry Hippos was about two months ago. We went to my friend's house, Ryan and um, Kimball. And they have three girls, and one of them's a baby, but the other two girls are, they're just adorable. They're my little friends, Lorelai and Evie. Mm-hmm. And so my family and I were over at their house, and we would take shifts going and playing with the girls. And so we would, like, go in their room and play a round or two of Hungry Hungry Hippos and then come back out with the adults, and then it would be somebody else's turn to entertain the girls. And it was a lot of fun. Right. It's a fun game. So this is sort of obscure, but I definitely remember it. Do you remember Flavio and Marita from the Animaniacs TV show? I do not, because Animaniacs, just sort of, the, that whole thing got past me. I never watched oh, it. You were probably taking care of children at the time and didn't notice. So. Yep. I think that's what it was. It was just sort of in that gray tiny. area where, yeah, my, I, my kids were tiny and I was an adult and it just, a lot of that stuff I, I did not consume. Well, you either, or you don't remember it because you didn't have any sleep for however many years. (laughs) That's that's entirely possible. (laughs) Well, uh, Flavio and Marita are characters introduced by Steven Spielberg Presents Animaniacs. I'm reading from the Looney Tunes wikia here. Um, An animated, it's an animated cartoon series from Warner Brothers. They form an extravagant and obscenely wealthy, yet often clueless hippo couple who live in the jungle yet speak with Barcelonan accents. (laughs) (laughs) Flavio, the husband, was voiced similarly to Ricardo Montalban. Bored of their pastoral life, they came to the big city and settled atop a skyscraper in a lavish penthouse suite, according to the theme song. In the series, an over-exuberant naturalist named Gina Embryo strove to keep the hip hippos from moving to the city by masquerading as a real estate agent and showing them undesirable location after undesirable location. <laughs> but they liked them all. <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear her name right? Gina, Gina Embryo. Embryo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's Animaniacs. <laughs> go on. Gotta go watch them. <laughs> Gina would incur injury after injury in her quest to preserve and observe the magnificent beasts. 
in both of the shorts that she co-starred in. There were four sketches that these guys were in, and she was okay. in two of them. At other times, the hippos parodied the opera La Boheme as La Behemoth, the shirtless hunk advertisement for Coca-Cola, and the show American Gladiators. Brain even attempted <laughs> once to use the hippos in his scheme to rule the world by masquerading as their baby. He was actually masquerading as the Rockefeller family's baby, and the stork goofed up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. So the pair had relatively few starring roles, but were frequent guests on other shorts, often fulfilling some form of sight gag, poking fun at their immense nature, such as stepping on smaller characters. And they did not <laughs> even appear in the Animaniacs comic book until issue number 38. So there you All go. Right. Uh, Flavio's speaking voice was Frank Welter, and his uh, Welker, and his singing voice was Ray McLeod. Marita's speaking voice was Tress McNeil, and her singing voice was Wendy Knudsen. So there you go. That's Marita and Flavio, the hip hippos. And this little clip is them looking at some real estate from Gina Embryo. <laughs> <laughs> Retro industrial. <gasps> what a wonderful doorway sculpture! <laughs> and functional too! Ooh, that feels good! <laughs> ah, surely, my darling. Retro industrial's been done to the gears. <laughs> Retro industrial's been done to the gears. <laughs> They're hipster hippos, really. <laughs> uh, that sounds delightful. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> They're funny. <laughs> uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? Donna? Hippo. Nah. Nah. I don't think they would fit in the food box. But I'm bumching. Supposedly they taste like pork, but they're in trouble. And they're not endangered, but they are in trouble. And I'll just stick. I'm learning as I do this podcast that if something tastes like pork or chicken, I'm just going to go ahead and stick with pork or chicken. Yeah. There's some accounts of diseased meat. Uh, making people sick over in Africa because they do they are occasionally hunted and eaten in Africa. Mostly they're hunted for their tusks, which is which is sad. But but people do hunt and eat them, and if, and you'll hear occasionally about people getting sick. There was a I think there was an, an outbreak of anthrax that was blamed on hippo meat, and then mm. most of the time that's due to poor preparation, poor hygiene, or killing and eating a sick animal, which we sh you should never ever do with any animal. Well, there are a heck of a lot more animals that are sort of hoofed, you know, hoofed deer-like, antelope-like, whatever, animals in Africa that are A, not endangered, and B, taste a lot better. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah, if you're exactly. really gonna, if you're gonna hunt and you really, really want to hunt in Africa, there are plenty of actual game animals that you can nom on that are available to eat, so... <laughs> You don't have to go after the highly dangerous, crazy, fool, why would you ever hunt a hippo? <laughs> We're going to put some videos on the show notes of hippos chasing people's boats. Yeah. Yeah, believe me, it's just not a good idea to try to, yeah. Nope, they're dangerous. <laughs> yep, they are. 
when I get into that in a minute. Paul, Donna, it's me, Toph. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Of course it is. Let's help you win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With this, the Animal Fact of the Week. Donna, did you know that there is a breeding population of wild hippos in South America? I did not know that. Tell me about it. So, Pablo Escobar, you remember that name? Mm-hmm. He was a very notorious drug kingpin in Colombia. And yeah. he had kids, and at one time when he was alive, he was one of the wealthiest people in the world. So he did what a good, really rich dad would do for his kids. He gave them pretty much whatever they wanted, and what they wanted was a zoo. And he also opened the zoo up to the public, because Pablo Escobar actually took really good care of the community he lived in, even though all his money came from drugs and violence. And as long as you didn't interfere with his business, if you were a local, jobs were good, crime was really low, and things were okay. But that's kind of a different story. In 1993, Pablo Escobar was killed by the police, and as happens with criminals, his property, including the zoo, was seized. Now, most of the animals in the facility were transported to other zoos, but he had four hippos that he had imported in from Africa. There were three female and one male hippo, and they were just way too big, they were way too dangerous, they didn't know how to remove them, so they just left them there. These four hippos thrived. They absolutely thrived. And nobody knows exactly how many hippos there are now, but estimates are anywhere between 40 and 60 hippos. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. A lot of them escaped that compound, and now hippos inhabit a few of the riverways in Colombia. Now, here's the problem. The locals actually, they really, really love these hippos. There was a, a male hippo that they named Pepe. And there was absolute outrage because Pepe had gotten out of the river. He had chased a few people down. He had killed some cattle. And the military came in and they shot Pepe. And there was this caused an absolute scandal. Hmm. But hippos are non-native in Colombia. And they're breeding and they're thriving and they're doing really well, which usually means some impact on the ecosystem. But they haven't really been able to find anything quantifiably bad about the hippo's presence yet. So what do you do? You can't shoot them because that causes a scandal. They tried to tranquilize and castrate some hippos, but that also is really dangerous and really expensive. Trying to tranquilize a 5,000 to 7,000 pound animal (laughs) for any length of time. They have, their skin is like two inches thick. How do you do it? So that's sort of a problem down in Colombia now is in about 10 years, they estimate that there's going to be between 100 and 120 African full-sized hippopotamuses down there. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. That definitely sounds like a like Animal Rescue International needs to get down there and definitely load them into trucks and move them. Yeah. <laughs> it, but- I mean, it's, it's a big job, but... Yeah. It is a big job. It's a big, dangerous job. And I think they are trying to get the hippos while they're young, while they're really, really small and, and um, what's the word, spay or neuter them then so that those yeah. hippos can't breed later on. Yeah, that might be a good idea. But I don't yeah. know. It might be a better idea just to find as many of them as you can and tranquilize them and move them. Just yep. move them out. Just get them out. Because the thing is... We might not know what sort of stuff they're doing now, but remember those putrians? 
<laughs> yes. They might the be. The Preller. Yeah. The Poo Preller might be depositing all sorts of foreign <laughs> putrients into the river system, and that could do some pretty dangerous stuff. If there's any bacteria, for instance, that aren't in that area. Um, yeah, that's messing. You're messing with some explosive situations there. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it sounds like a big, difficult job, and I'm, I really don't mean to make it sound easy, because it's not, but yeah, they need to get those guys out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Want to hear about the pygmy hippo? Do I ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so cute. I don't know if I can get through this page with all the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> The San Diego Zoo has a great information page about pygmy hippos, so it, it's pretty cool. Go on and check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes with an incredibly adorable picture. So when you look at them, they sort of look like a, just a miniature version of their larger relative, but the little pygmy hippo differs in behavior and physical characteristics. The pygmy hippo has adaptations for spending time in the water, but it is much less aquatic than the regular hippo. Its nose and ears close underwater just like the big hippos, but its head is rounder and narrower and its le neck is proportionally longer and its eyes are not on the top of its head. So you may not have noticed, I never noticed until I started looking, but yes, they have those differences. So they- Oh, wow, okay. Yep, their feet are less webbed, toes are more free than those of the regular hippo and their legs are proportionally longer so they don't have those little stubbies kind of sitting out at the bottom they have longer little little legs trotters <laughs> getaway sticks getaway sticks the, <laughs> the pygmy hippo's teeth are different they only have one pair of incisors the hippo has two or three they have uh, green, their skin is smooth and thin to help the animal stay cool in the rainforest. Um, so their skin oozes out a pink fluid that looks like beads of sweat and gives them a shiny or wet appearance. This fluid, called the blood sweat, helps protect the animal's sensitive skin from sunburn. So it's built-in sunscreen. They don't know a lot about their behavior in the wild, but they're usually found by themselves or in pairs. Uh, they only need to yawn at potential enemies to send them running. <laughs> like, yeah, I may be small, but I'm still a hippo. Don't try me, man. Um, so there's a lot of stuff on there about that. They, in their family life, they, let's see, they mate in the water um, or on the land, but they don't know when their breeding season is in the wild. Um so, no idea. <laughs> okay. It's really rare to see one in the wild, so just understand that these guys, their wild behavior isn't understood very well just because it's so, so unusual to be able to find them. So, common hippos give birth underwater, but pygmy hippo calves are born on the land. And for the first few weeks, the mama tucks the calf, which looks like a big piggy bank, away in the bushes while she feeds because <laughs> the baby can't walk very well. <laughs> okay. So they grow, they grow quickly. At about five months, they're about ten times their birth weight. And, yeah, so they're pretty cool. So remember, the big hippo was huge, right? Big, the males really were like big. five to 7,000 pounds. Yeah. So And the females are about 3,000 pounds. 
these guys weigh about 350 to 600 pounds. That's oh, is that all? Yeah, they're oh, pygmies. <laughs> they're pygmies. <laughs> they're pygmy hippos. The most important word is there's, there's hippos. <laughs> um, yeah. Their length is 4.9 to 5.7 feet. 1.5 to 1.75 meters. Oh, the weight was uh, 160 to 270 kilograms, if I didn't mention that. So, uh, fun facts that San Diego gives us. A pygmy hippo can nurse from its mama on land or underwater. A uh, common river hippo weighs about 10 times as much as a pygmy hippo. Tire mogul Harvey Firestone, who owned a rubber plantation in Liberia, gave President Calvin Coolidge a pygmy hippo called Billy. And Billy is an ancestor of almost all pygmy hippos living in American zoos. <laughs> wow. So, that's really yeah. neat. Yeah. They are only found in four countries in West, West Africa, and they are classified as endangered, with possibly less than 3,000 individuals remaining in the wild. Oh, so, no. Yeah. The forests that shelter them are being cut down or burned away, and the rivers where they swim are now polluted by humans. Oh, come on, guys. Come on, people. And the shy animals are also hunted for their meat in logged areas. So, it's not good. We have to protect it more if we want wild populations to stay around. I'm looking at pictures of them, and they are adorable. Yes, and they're probably also just as important to the system. They haven't said anything about their poop in this article, but I imagine it's much the same spreading of putrients everywhere. So. You think they do the, the, the poo-flinging beehole thing? They don't say. <laughs> beehole. <laughs> they don't say, but I would imagine they probably do. Awesome. I Hippos are cool. They are. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to the Varmints Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music, as always, by Kevin McLeod. Thank you, guys. And by you, the Patreon supporter, thank you so much for kicking in a dollar or two every month to make sure that we can continue to bring this podcast to you. We really do appreciate it. This week on the Rugrat Corner, Israel and Ezekiel, they have something to say about hippos. Hello, everybody. I'm Israel. And I'm eight. Hello, everybody. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm seven. And, and we're, we're brothers. brothers. Um, we know that hippos are animals. And that they um, can um, breathe, hold their breath for a long time when they go underwater. Ooh, anything else? Are there any famous hippos that you know? Any celebrity famous hippos? Mean? In films or in, in cartoons? There's uh, one in Madagascar. And, and she's very, very fat. And <laughs> and she wants to be an extra. No, a, she wants to do ballet. <laughs> what does that mean? Can you imagine the hippo doing ballet? I know, and she's so big. Oh, and... Anything else about hippos? Hippos, one of the great animals. <laughs> Poor people they just can't eat them. And, and they disguise themselves as stones. And people, and people jump on them and then they just go what? And they're like, Rawr! And if, if, if someone touches them, they're going to be like, Charge! <laughs> <laughs> and you 
guys know any jokes about hippos? Knock knock. Who's there? Hippo. Hippo who? I just told you, it's the hippo who. <laughs> Thank you so much, Israel and Ezekiel, and thank you to their dad, Isa. He is the host of a podcast called Young, Free, and Coupled, which is just a delightful little husband and wife talking about life podcast. Go check that out. Heck yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. And until next time. Uh, be nice to animals, everybody. Go visit <laughs> the hippo at your zoo and see the poo preller. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. So common hippos give birth underwater too, um, and but or underwater, but hippo... Hi-